0: Good evening, welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and also make sure that you sign up for our Facebook page. That's yeah, where you can win those trivia questions, prizes, and uh, it's always good stuff, good good prizes that we're giving away. Please contact us in the comments section if you're interested in sponsoring a podcast. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All Star, Kevin Adams. Ball State athlete, Paul Havocot. And our special guest tonight played at Calvin College, where his goals against average, check this out, was .68 goals per game. My goodness, that is pretty good. He put up a 33-4-1 record with 12 shutouts. He led his team deep into the 2019 uh, 2019 NCAA Championship uh, Tournament. You know, if he had his senior year, who knows what could have happened. Um, making that he made this all central region 13. Um, as I mentioned, COVID canceled his senior year there at Calvin, but he, he now plays in the USL Championship Leagues. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the newest members of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, goalkeeper Chris Marsh. That's- <laughs> Thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate it.
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: So, uh, as always, we'll have our Q&A afterwards about Chris. We'll talk about his, his playing time. And tonight's debate is the greatest American goalkeeper, male or female. So, it doesn't have to just be one sex, it could be either or. And we're going to start tonight with Brian.
2: Hi. So, my goalkeeper is uh, Brad Friedel. Um, Brad, he got off to a really hot start in college. Uh, he went to UCLA. And – um, he became the starter as a freshman. In 1990, he won the uh, NCAA National Championship. His team did. And um, 91, 92, and 93, he was an All-American goalkeeper. And also in 1993, he won the Herman Trophy, which is um, not just for best goalkeeper. He was the top collegiate soccer player in the entire country. So uh, a heck of an award, a heck of a job that he did there at UCLA. Um in retrospect, in 2000, uh, Soccer America, they named him to their all-century team. So 100 years of soccer there, and he was the guy they chose as their goaltender. Um, 1997, he joined the Columbus Crew in the MLS. He ended up being the MLS Goalkeeper of the Year that year. Uh, he went on to the uh, English Premier League uh, with a team, uh, with a club called uh, Blackburn Rovers. Um, he did so well with them over his career. He is in their Hall of Fame. Um, in uh, 2001, um, he led that team to the to the Football League Cup. Uh, he also played with Team USA. In 1994, he only allowed four goals in four matches. Pretty impressive. Uh, 2002... Um, he was able to uh, he was able to shut out Mexico in the uh, in the um, uh, their final game there, um, the knockout stage rather, and then uh, he was the uh, U.S. soccer athlete of the year that year as well. And the thing about Friedel is he had a lot of longevity. I mean, he was just really a mainstay throughout um, soccer for so long. Uh, he had the record for 310 consecutive Premier League appearances. Um, that's that's tremendous. He also has the most uh, Premier League starts at 450. And he's the oldest player in, in Ashton Villa club history at age 39 and the oldest player in Tottenham club history at age 41. Uh, so this guy, he stuck around for a long time and played at a high level.
0: So he's considered the most highly regarded American to play in the English leagues, which that's, that's saying a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of players obviously have gone overseas to play. So, so, Chris, obviously I want to know what you think of him, but do you think that there is a huge difference still this day and age between the English leagues and the leagues over here in America? Like, I remember when we were growing up, it was, it was all, we were always told, okay, English leagues are where the really good players are. The United States have leagues that are basically for fun. That's kind of what they would say back in the day. Have we caught up with them, do you think? Yeah, um, I don't think we've caught up yet. Um,
1: it's going to be a long time, and really it's going to be a lot and a lot of money until we get to that point. Uh, there's a lot of things that will need to change in the U.S. soccer system um, with promotion relegation. That needs to be introduced eventually. Um, that's something that will eventually hopefully get the U.S. MLS League um, to be more prominent. Um, also, I think the MLS is still – so young compared to the premier league like the mls is probably a fifth of the age of the premier league like the premier league like the 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 fan bases the energy the passion for those clubs is generations and generations and generations we in the us were just hitting maybe our first generations and that's for some clubs like for columbus crew like that club's been around since the beginning and now parents are now starting to get that opportunity to share that passion that they have for their club with their family. Um, but for like the MLS team, I support, uh, Orlando city, like, they're within 10 years of being alive. Like this isn't a club in the MLS that like one day I hope to share that passion with my kids. Um, but that's just something that isn't there yet. Um, and as an Everton supporter, so that's who I support in the premier league, um, the, the amount of passion and energy and like, so, there. So I equate um, Premier League football in England, that equates to the SEC in the South. Like that's how I see it. Is people will live and die with their teams. Like a, as a Florida Gator, like if we lose on Saturday, it messes up my whole week, and then I just have to relive another loss most weeks. On a Saturday, like it's not fun, um, and that's how I think uh, the Premier League is, um, just from a fan standpoint. Um, and then I said the money, like it's, it's unbelievable how much money is being poured into Premier League players. Like, there's probably one Premier League player, and you probably think of like Kevin De Bruyne who plays for Man City, he probably makes as much money himself. As like the entire salaries of like four different MLS teams, the amount of money that's in the Premier League is unreal. Um, so I don't think we're there yet. Okay,
0: and and, and what what you think of Fred Dale?
1: Um, so Brad, Brad is someone that I didn't get to watch much growing up. Um, he was a, he was the generation before I uh, found my role models, um, but. He had by far the longest career and that's something to say about who a person is as a player, their dedication to the game. Um, he came with, he came out with the biggest, what I think is the biggest win um, in U S soccer history in the O2 world cup when they knocked off uh, Mexico um, so farthest we've ever gone. And without him getting a shutout, we probably don't go through and, um, the importance of him to U.S. soccer um, is can't be, can't be overstated. Um, but unfortunately, I have to disagree that he's the best of all time. That's my – in the U.S., that's my um, personal opinion.
0: Good night, he's voting already, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're not getting the vote. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paul, let's move on to your pick. Okay, hey.
3: I had Casey Keller, so let me get to my Casey Keller stats. I, Mike, we could probably do a whole show on Casey Keller. That's how good I think he is. And I think Chris is going to like him a lot better than that terrible pick from before this. So, But anyway, um, his career spans from 96 to 12, so he had a pretty lengthy career. He's described by one of his coaches as a goalie that he's well-prepared, well-organized, so he makes it look really simple. So just – his stats in general, pretty overwhelming, I think, but I'm not a soccer expert. But 622 goals conceded, 132 shutouts, just about 43,000 minutes played. I thought he was kind of like the Cal Ripken of soccer, although Chris might be too young to remember Cal Ripken. I don't know how much he followed baseball, but um, I got to gear this to Chris because Chris is going to really decide if I can win here finally. Um He's born 11-29-69, and he grew up on an egg farm in Olympia, Washington. And I think that's important because I don't, I think he's the most famous product of egg farmers. Can you guys think of anybody else that's uh, a famous egg farmer? You can think about it while I'm going through the rest of these, these stats here. But he's got 59 consecutive regular season matches um, as start, and he was a team captain. 16 years playing in three of Europe's top flight leagues, English, English Premier League, Spain's, La Liga and Germany's Bundesliga. Did I say that right? Maybe, Chris, you can tell me if I said that right. Hmm. He's named the U.S. Soccer Athlete of the Year an unprecedented three times, 97, 99, and 05. Uh, In 2010, he's the only Sounders FC player to have started every league match, 32 and logged a team high 2,655 minutes. 35-85 3585 85 in all competitions, and he was named MLS Inactive All-Star 727. He earned his first MLS assist uh, on Montero's game-winning goal versus Houston, and he recorded a season-high nine saves at Philadelphia, 627, made two stops in a penalty shootout in Portland in the U.S. Open Cup in 630. But as a broader overview of some of these um, awards, He's a four time World Cup participant, uh, did the Olympics 95 96, um, three time football player of the year 05, 99, and 97, goalkeeper of the year for Seattle founders, three time Gold Cup winner 7 5 and 02. And um, I think with the longevity of his career, And sort of the compilation of all these awards, I think he's probably arguably one of the best goalies of all time here. We'll see what you guys think.
0: He's definitely up there. And what I will say is is with him, Fredell, and who Kevin's going to talk about, Howard, I mean, these were three guys that were all fighting, basically, to Mm -hmm. be be the man for for, for American soccer. I know Tony Miola was – maybe just a tad before them and kind of lost his spot because of, of maybe something he did that the coach didn't like, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But Chris, what, what's your thoughts on Casey
1: Keller? Um, Casey, again, is someone I didn't get to grow up watching and that frustrates me. Um, but again, his importance to the U.S. soccer uh, goalkeeping position and, being a role model for what, what it would look like to be a great goalkeeper in the U.S. Um, again, unprecedented. Um, the one thing that irks me about uh, Casey is that it seemed like he stopped playing at the at, when he was still really good. Um, I, I think he could have played a couple more years, um, and then that would have given me the opportunity to watch him. Uh, especially playing the mls like that would have been an amazing opportunity for the mls to have a world-class goalkeeper for in the league for longer um, that's my personal opinion um, but again in in his career the the achievements that he had the awards that he won um, the games that he played the places he played at
0: unbelievable and, Paul, you'll be happy to know I couldn't find a negative about him, and I looked and looked and looked.
3: I did too. I wanted to have a funny negative comment about it, and I think what Chris is saying is he was good at everything except for how he retired. That one he, did reti- he didn't retire very well. <laughs> Tried too early.
0: <laughs> that sounds about right. All right, let's move on to my pick. I have the only female um, on our list of four. We'll have another one in our honorable mentions, but uh, uh, Brianna Scurry. So, you know, I, I like to start with stats, obviously. That's just the kind of person that I am. But um, so we got something. She's got two Olympic gold medals um, and a World Cup. There's no other goalie that we're talking about uh, before tonight that could say they have a World Cup. 173 international appearances. She made in the uh, Hall of Fame in 2017. She made the Hall of Fame. She's the first woman goalkeeper. And the first black woman to get into to the soccer hall of fame here, so that that's something that's something very special, and, and she'll be recognized for that for you know the rest of her life and beyond. Um, but you know she played at UMass, pitched out 37 shutouts there and 65 starts, so basically half her games she's pitching a shutout, uh, she, and she had a 48-13 and four record with a .56 goals against. In college, and in 1993, she was the national goalkeeper of the year. She's an All-American, of course. Um, she played for, and she was a founding member of the Atlanta Beat, uh, which she started for for three years. They won two championships, and she won the goalie of the year in 2003. But then, of course, on the international level, um, 90, 90, was it? Yeah, she played 94 to 2008 internationally. Uh, her record was 133, 12 and 14 with 71 shutouts. So that is an incredible number. That's over half her wins were shutouts. Um, Her first game was a shutout. um, And then she won the 99 World Cup uh, Best Goaltender Award. And, of course, she's most known for the 99 World Cup penalty shot save um, that won the World Cup. Um, This was an iconic moment uh, for American soccer. And it's... Usually, something you always see when they're showing the highlights. Without that save, we don't get uh, Brandy Chestane's uh, game winning kick and the ripping off of the shirt that is also seen all the time. But is that save that was able to set, set up that goal? And as anyone who's played goalkeeper knows, taking a penalty shot, you know, you're just guessing, you know, and, and she guessed right and made an amazing save. What um, what's forgotten is early in that tournament, where Brazil, we played Brazil, the women's team played Brazil, and they are absolutely getting pounded, um, the United States. And Scarry kept them in the game. She was making save after save after save. Um, and that set them up to move further into that World Cup and, and eventually win it. That um, game, you know, also famous for Michelle Akers winning it with a penalty kick, which was one of Paul's girls in a prior debate. Right. But uh, Brianna, you know, she had intensity, extreme focus under pressure, and athleticism, uh, probably better athleticism than than any goalie we've seen, uh, at least on the female side, for sure. Um, you know, she's going to be remembered mostly for that penalty kick save, but her career of 15 years plus, it's it's definitely one of the greatest of all time. So, Chris, I'll ask you. Her winning the World Cup, is that the best bragging rights of anything we're talking about tonight?
1: I mean, it's, isn't that the goal of every every footballer that's ever played the game? That's the dream. Uh, that's the ultimate dream is to lift that trophy because it's the most important trophy in the world. Like, it, you can go and get all the accolades you want. There are guys in this world that would trade everything they've ever gotten for a World Cup. Um, so, to be fair... Like she holds that over everybody else. But if we were going to talk about just world cups, then we'd probably throw hope solo in the conversation too. Cause she has a couple of those and, um, and yeah, like, so I don't want to take away, uh, Scurry's importance to, um, the women's game or just football in general in the States. Um, but in my opinion, um, and this is someone who played for a couple of very good teams growing up, Um, it's a lot easier to play goalkeeper when you have uh, 11 of the best 20 girls in the world um, playing in front of you, Um, if that makes any sense. It's just like the talent that was in front of her um, was better than what what was in the rest of the world, Um, which um, doesn't take anything away from her and the importance of her in games. Um, It's just doing – being the one who's relied on game in and game out is is just a little – it's that little bit notch more. Um, and while she won a World Cup and she can hold that over everyone else's heads, um, yeah, I just think that something that kind of diminishes not her career but calling her the best of all time is that when you have the best players in the world right in front of you, like probably without Brianna Scurry, they would have won a World Cup. Um, I think that team was so good that they didn't need the best goalkeeper in the world to win a World Cup, and
0: that's my opinion. Brian, you're, you're representing, uh, as an honorable mention, the, the other female tonight, which, which is Hope Solo. I know you'll give a little info on her later, but, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Do you, you, you think that uh, the American women are were that far ahead of the women of the world?
2: Yeah, I mean it's, it's obviously a stacked team, and and in comparison, you look at the men's side. I mean, you're talking about a team that's probably lucky to be in the top ten, really, you know, and maybe in the probably in the in the between ten and twenty most seasons, as far as just general talent level. So uh, yeah, I mean, to, to Chris's point, that's you know the difficulty difficulty level is is so much more is so much higher whenever you you know you're playing with uh, um, inferior talent.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Okay, well, we'll see if that hurts her later on in, in, in our vote. Uh, let's go on to Kevin. You're
4: up. Yeah, yeah, Hey, real quick. Did you uh, mention that she won a gold medal at the Olympics, too? Did you say that?
0: Two golds. So that's the very beginning,
4: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that's impressive, too. I mean, to win a World Cup and gold medals at the Olympics. Uh, but I, I see the point uh, from Chris and Brian. But uh, so moving on, uh, going to my guy. Uh, Timmy Howard. Everybody knows Tim Howard. I mean, come on. Uh, the, the World Cups in uh, 2010, 2014 was an exciting time for U.S. soccer to so, make a, a comeback. Um, and he was he was our man going into those uh, tournaments. But uh, he was born in '79. Uh, He's actually still playing. Um, He's a a goalkeeper in the same league that uh, Chris plays in the USL championship uh, for the Memphis 901 football club. Uh, He's also like a part owner uh, and sporting director for that team as well. Um, He's also an international ambassador uh, for the U S for his former club Everton Um, in the 1999 uh, he played in the Pan American games tournament and he ended that tournament with a bronze medal. Uh, This dude, played uh, actually midfielder in, in high school, um, and he was also good in basketball, um, I found as well, um, but uh, he uh, started playing for like a semi-professional like youth uh, central um, Cosmos or something um, before he actually graduated high school. Um, it was the central Jersey Cosmos uh, in 95. He was also part of the U.S. under-17 squad. um but he uh, began his uh, professional career with the N- North Jersey Imperials uh, before moving to the Metro Stars. Howard uh, posted a 5-2-2 record with a 1.59 goals allowed average in 2000. Uh, and he split time between the Metro Stars and the United States Olympics team. Uh, so he probably would have had you know even more wins and better stats if uh, he wasn't split in time. Uh, he also won all three of his U.S. Open Cup starts that season. Uh, in 2001, he was the MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. Um, he recorded 146 saves and finished with a 1.33 goals allowed average, four shutouts, um, and a 13-10-3 record. Uh, he also received the MLS Humanitarian uh, of the Year Award uh, that year. He actually has done a lot of work with Tourette's Syndrome, uh, which was, I was interested to, to read up on. Uh, he's a, a good advocate for that. Um, and has done some good things with that. Uh, he played 27 or 28 regular season games in 2002 for the Metro Stars, recording four shotouts. He was named to the MLS Best 11 for his second straight season. Uh, he played in the English Premier League. Um, he actually got noticed by Manchester U. Uh, that's one of the best teams over there. Um, in 2003, uh, they won the FA Community Shield the 03-04 FA Cup, and the 05-06 League Cup. And then he actually got sent over to Everton on a loan because uh, uh, Manchester U signed another goalie. Um, so they loaned him over to Everton, uh, who actually signed him permanently in February of 2007. He became uh, the U.S. team's first-choice goalkeeper and started in the 2007 CONCACAF uh, uh, Gold Cup Final. And that's uh, they actually beat Mexico 2-1 to one in that final. Um, in 2009, the FIFA uh, Confederations Cup uh, he played uh, the semifinal match where we actually faced Spain, and we actually upset Spain. Spain was the number one ranked team in the world at the time, and uh, he shut them out. Uh, we ended up finishing, unfortunately, runner-up, got second place, uh, but he was actually awarded the Golden Glove for best keeper uh, in that tournament. He's one of the you know America's greatest goalkeepers in the history of American soccer. Uh, he was named the 2003-04 PFA Premier League Team of the Year Uh, He was awarded 2009, you know, Golden Glove, like I said, for the Confederations Cup. The Chicago Tribune actually described him as rarest of creatures, an American soccer hero. Uh, In 2012, he became only the fourth goalkeeper to score a goal in the English Premier League, which is impressive. Um, Not many goalies score, obviously. In 2016, he returned to the U.S. to play in the MLS. He signed with Colorado Rapids. Uh, he played with them for three years before uh, hanging it up in October of 2019. But like I said, he's actually still playing. He returned, became co-owner of a club where he actually signed a contract to also play. Uh, he's the most capped goalkeeper of all time in the United States uh, uh, national team, which if you don't know what capped means, it's just a, a international appearances. Uh, he had 121 appearances. Um, he particip- participated, like I said, in the 2010-14 World Cups, started in all those matches, He also set a World Cup record for most saves in a match. He had 15 saves in one match uh, against Belgium. Um, MLS All-Star game uh, three times. MLS All-Star MVP. One of the greatest players in the United States history. Great goaltender. Great guy. Does good things off the field as well.
0: So if I had done my research right, I don't really do. He actually has the worst goals against average out of all the goaltenders we're talking about today. So, Chris, does that reflect on him or the team in front of him?
1: Um, I think that goals against average, while it's nice to look at, I think something that's more accurate maybe uh, is looking at save percentage. Um, and even that sometimes can be skewed because if your team is really defensive and just making making the team make hard shots, then it's making it easy for you to make saves. And even that can make it skewed sometimes. Um
0: but, you, you did hear me say you had a 0.68 goals against in the NHL, oh, yeah. right? I was trying to hype you up. <laughs> my,
1: my, team, my team in front of me, um, especially my sophomore year, was just unbelievable. Um, but, yeah.
0: What was your save percentage?
1: Uh, I think it was around 800. Like, okay. So, uh, I think between the two years, it was around 800. I'm not 100% sure. It's probably a little bit lower than that, like 7, 8, or something like that.
0: Okay. okay. Paul, um, Tim Howard. You, you think maybe that's the the most known name for yeah. men?
3: I I think the key here, and Kevin's Kevin did a wonderful job with all his stats and everything. And I think the key here is the question in March of twenty twenty one is who's the best right now? Tim's still playing, and I I think that Tim's going to eventually overtaking that title. You know, overtake that title, but I think. I think you know, as of right now, Casey's probably got a very, very narrow lead. But Kevin's right; he's he's a he's it's another situation where it's hard to find anything negative about this guy. He's the most well known. It's probably who Chris grew up, you know, as a as a mentor. And I think he's probably doing wonders for um, soccer over here. So he's he's a star still in his stride.
0: Okay. So before we move on to our honorable mention and our vote, let's give out tonight's trivia question for a prize. Prior winners, you guys are ineligible. Please place your answers in the Facebook comment section. In Disney's The Big Green, the goalie played by the great Hambino was so scared playing goal that he did not see players coming to score. Name all the things he did see coming down to try and score goals. You get all that? We'll get your prize mailed out to you.
4: I can name all that right now.
0: You can all that right now.
4: You are ineligible. <laughs>
0: you are ineligible. Yeah, you're a failist. If Chris has got them, we'll send him the prize.
2: <laughs>
0: all right, let's move on to our honorable mentions. Uh, Brian,
2: go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, I got Hope Solo. Uh, you know, she was um, Team USA from 2000 to 2016. Uh, very impressive. Um, you know, team statistics as far as uh in the olympics 2008 she wins the gold 2012 the gold and then the world cup world cup in 2007 was interesting uh the team won the bronze but she was actually benched before the finals and team usa got destroyed uh for nothing and so it was like you know they they subtracted her and that, a lot of people point to that as being the reason for the loss um 20, 2011 Won the silver 2015, won the gold. Uh, she's got a record 55-game uh, undefeated streak. I don't know if anybody will ever touch that one. And, uh, you know, outside of the off, – off the field, you know, she did some stuff with, uh, you know, Dancing with the Stars and, and some other um, endorsements and stuff. So, she's rather marketable uh, uh, person as well.
0: And, and, and this might come up from, you know, somebody who might wonder why I chose Brianna over Hope Solo. As far as my pick um, from, from the female perspective, I, I hope had some things off the field that I felt kind of had tarnished her legacy a little bit. And, uh, you know, our show is, it's more than just being the greatest too. You know, it's, 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 it's your whole legacy. So that was why I chose her over that. But uh, Kevin, who's your honorable?
4: Yeah. Uh, I went with uh, Marcus uh, Heineman, Heyman. Hanman. Ha- <laughs> sorry um, so uh, yeah he's played he's played quite a bit uh, He played for the US national team from 94 to 2011 uh, I mean he wasn't a uh, number one choice goaltender all the time but um, you know he had a great um, career I uh, started uh, Seattle uh, Sounders um, he has 463 appearances in his professional career he also played with Everton. Um, he actually won a Division II national championship in 93 with the Seattle Pacific University. Um, he had a great record, 64-9-5 as a starter, um, 46 clean sheets uh, in his career. Um, and he also, you know, he played with uh, Howard as well. Um, and he a great player, had a good college career as well, good uh, long longevity uh, in his professional career.
0: My honorable mention is uh, Tony Miola, you um, know, was part of three World Cup teams and um, 2000 ML- MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. What, and what I would say 1994 World Cup, he got the United States to what basically I would say the Sweet 16 is kind of what we'll call it. That in 94, I remember that being huge. Um Know, Kevin, you mentioned what they did with Timmy Howard in the, the 2000s. But back in 94, soccer was even, uh, let's say, less popular than it is now here in the States. And that 94 Cup team, that, that got people excited that they had made it into that, uh, into that round. And, and I remember growing up with that. But, um, you know, later he, he became a coach of the Jacksonville team. Uh, he has over 100 national appearances and 309 professional appearances. And he even tried out for the Jets in 1994, Brian. I don't know if you knew that one. You're the football. <laughs> I did not know that.
2: No. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Tried out for field goal kicker. Um, he, did, he didn't make it though, you know. And uh, a lot of people think, uh, you know, he left the soccer, uh, U.S. soccer in '94. He told the coach that uh, he was going to go play football, and the coach thought that his mind just wasn't in soccer anymore, and supposedly that's why he wasn't the starting goalie when he came back for, you know, the U S national teams because the, the coach didn't like where his head was. So, but Paul, who, who's your, uh, honorable.
3: Brad on He's this poor guy's plagued with some back injuries. Uh, otherwise he might not even be in the honorable category if he was healthy all the time, but he's a backup to Tim Howard as well. And stepped in for Tim Howard, uh, when Tim was injured, but, uh, Second-team All-American for South Carolina Gamecocks, went second overall pick in the 2005 MLS Super Draft. Uh, His career spans from 2005 to present. He's got 60 career shutouts, seven in the postseason. He did spend, I think off the top of my head, it was six or seven years in the Premier League. So some of the stats are the Premier League, too. 29 shutouts in the Premier League. 557 saves, 43 in the postseason, 472 in the Premier League. 234 goals against, eight in postseason, 258 in the Premier League. And then 76, 65, 40, 7 and 4 in the – and two in the postseason. Premier League, eh, 33 and 85. Got two World Cup appearances. Um, got a lot of awards, and I'll – those are real quick. I'll touch on Those. Uh, goalkeeper of the Year 2007, MLS Best in, in 2000 or Best Eleven in 2007. Um, Aston Villa Player of the Season 12 and 13 season, and the Gold Golden Glove in 2015. He was an MLS All Star in 2018 and 19. He's a great guy, though. Um, he kind of puts me in the mind of Chris when it comes to sort of faith-based statements and stuff like that. He's got, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's got a great a great quote where he talks about soccer life, personal life, and his relationship with God, sort of all intertwining with each other. And he he was saying he just simply can't have one without the other. They're all uh, intertwined to make him stronger. So this is a great guy here.
0: Nice, Chris. Any anybody you, you think would be uh,
3: you you want an honorable mention?
0: Um,
1: gosh, I. I want to say watch out for Zach Steffen. Um, he's the goalie right now for the U.S. national team. He's, I believe, like only 23, 24, 25. So he's really young. Um, obviously, you can't throw him in the greatest of all time because his career is barely starting. But um, I just want to say watch out because especially with this, the talent that the U.S. national team has right now, um, if we're going to look at World's Cups and how far we get, I wouldn't be shocked if somehow this team, um, and led by Zach in the back, though, that we do well.
0: So just kind of keep an eye out. Okay. All right, let's move on to our vote. Kevin, you're up first.
4: I'm actually glad that uh, Chris had mentioned save percentage because out of all the goalies that we are talking about here, Tim Howard actually uh, comes in second out of four. Um, Only uh, Friedel actually just nipped him just a little bit. Uh, But he was higher than the rest of you alls. But anyways – so I'm going to have to go uh, longevity of the career for Keller um, uh, and actually Bleacher Report. One of the authors uh, did a top 10 list and had Howard as second and Keller is number one uh, with the rest of yours behind Howard. So I'm going to have to go with Keller. Okay. Paul. Yeah. I mean,
3: Kevin said it really, really well there, you know, it's, they're basically one and two. And I think down the road, if we had the same conversation, you know, five five years in the future, it's, it's probably going to be Tim at that point. But as of right now, longevity of career, he could have kept going like Chris said earlier. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go Tim Howard just because right now he's number two, probably going to overtake Keller at some point.
0: Okay. So um, I'm actually going to go uh, Fred L. Um, that guy... You know, he he helped our international team at a time when I don't think the guys in front of him were very good. And, you know, he won some games that I don't think some of the other people would have won. Um, very solid goaltender. I, I think we said earlier, like, all three of these men that we're talking about were battling that out to be, you know, the, the guy for, for, for U.S. Um, so, yeah, it, it's – this is this might be like the tightest race I don't want to race whatever that that we've ever had like as far as there, there's not a lot that splits these guys up they they're, they're all that
2: close uh, so Brian go ahead yeah I mean you know, like you said all great uh, goalkeepers um, I think that Tim Howard just has a little bit of the edge so I'm gonna go with him I mean he just he won you know he won some really important games and and uh, just uh just a little bit, I think, more skilled than the other guys. So, Chris,
0: you, you have the most important vote here. Who are you taking? Um, I have
1: to go with the other two guys, um, Tim, by far, and for really a couple of reasons. One, he has the most caps, most appearances for the U.S. men's national team. Um, that's just an amazing number, an amazing um, a competitive environment with these other two guys. Breathing down his throat, and also uh, Brad Buzan breathing down his throat to keep his spot. Uh, talking about keeping his spot, he only ever lost his starting position twice in his career: um, once at his last season at Manchester United, and then once at Everton after ten plus years at Everton. So, like the man, the man has kept the consistency over the years. And in my opinion, from a legacy standpoint, um, the whole point of the show, um, without, without Tim, I don't think these young Americans are in Germany and are in England and getting these opportunities at the numbers we're getting um, without the importance of Tim Howard in the Premier League um, being successful
0: for years and years. Okay. So we got three votes for Howard. So Tim Howard wins our show as the greatest American-born goalie. Not bad. Let's move into our Q&A for Chris. Kevin, you're in my corner. Go ahead.
4: Um. So, yeah, you actually play uh, in the same league as uh, our winner tonight. So have, have you faced him? Have you had a chance to interact with him? And if so, you know, what what was it like? Like, did he give any advice to you or whatnot?
1: Yeah, so um, I actually met him – probably when I was a freshman or high school, um, my goalkeeper is actually the same goalkeeper coach that found Tim at 11 years old or 10 years old. Um, So we have that personal connection. Um, And when I first met Tim, it was actually at like a camp that my goalkeeper coach was running and Tim was there. And my first interaction with him was, I missed the first day because I was first or second day, because I was doing something. um, And I came in the next day and, Tim had taught this technique um, for saving a specific type of shot uh, the day before, and they were all talking about it and I was lost. Um, And after the session, I went up to, I went up to Tim and I was like, Hey, Tim, can you teach me this turtling? Uh, That's what the technique was called was turtling. Um, And this is something that he picked up at Manchester United um, while he was there. And he taught it to me and he was the most genuine wanting to help me learn and get better um, that I've ever had, uh, like the ever experienced, um, and the most exciting part of that is that is a technique that I've gotten to pass along, um, to fellow goalkeepers that I've gotten to play with, um, they're like, what, that's so, that's so different, and the way you do it is just so smooth, how do I do it, um, and it's kind of cool, like, passing the knowledge Tim Howard gave me, um, to other guys that I play with.
3: Well Kevin talked to me about turtling, but it wasn't goalie related. I guess it must be something different. But uh, I I read an article where you had said your plans, maybe even during soccer or after soccer or seminary school, and I just was wondering if that was still accurate and if there was anything that sort of inspired you, whether it be a person or event, to explore that option. My late father went to the seminary.
1: Yeah. So um, seminary. So. I think it was the spring of 2018. Yeah, I think it was the spring of 2018 or 2019. It was spring of 2019 um, where I'd been wrestling with like, okay, what do I want to do for a career? What do I want to do for life? Um, And something that I've always said um, since um, I came to Christ was like, if God sends me, if God wants to send me to a cardboard box in the Philippines and share the gospel with people, like that's something that I will go and do if that's something I'm called to do. Um, and during that time, uh, God kind of changed my heart because I wanted to go and do uh, like ministry for special needs kids. Um, and he kind of changed my heart to where going and doing missionary work is something that um, I, I, I have a desire to do now. And seminary is kind of something that I've also put on the table. Like, hey, God, if you call me to seminary, if this is something you want me to do, um like, let's go do it. And I trust that in that moment when you call me to go do it, that that opportunity is going to be available. Uh, right now for this year, um, as of today, and tomorrow I could wake up and God could change my heart again. Um, but as of today, I'm not going to go and do seminary this season. Um, as a rookie, I want to kind of get um, settled in there's a lot of things that i'm gonna have to catch up on like the pace of the play the quality um and just that in and of itself is going to be a lot so um for this year going to be put on hold but um when applications come next or this fall um it's something that i'm gonna be praying intentionally about and saying god if this is what you call me to do is do seminary whether in in while playing soccer or heck if, if god says hey i want you to stop playing soccer and go send you um to Africa, wherever like i'm ready and excited to go and um wherever he calls me
3: awesome
0: chris that 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 is so awesome to hear man as someone who's been to the philippines on a missions trip let me tell you you get over there it's gonna it's gonna change your life i remember i went over there i was playing soccer with uh we, we called them street kids basically <laughs> you know when we're done we're giving them we're handing them all our cookies and stuff and we you know we're trying to leave give them food and you know one of these kids he probably hadn't eaten in days, is trying to give me his cookie just so I would stay and yeah. and play more soccer with him, you know? Uh, you know, you, you go over there, you, like you said, man, you preach to him Jesus, you give him some food, you play soccer with him and they, they just, they don't want you to leave. It, yeah. Like, it's heartbreaking, you know? It really
1: is. Oh, for sure. And, like, people, like, so many guys in the profession that I've gotten to talk about the reason they play soccer. Is so they become famous. or so they make money for their family, like all these different things. Like the, the reason I see soccer is such a beautiful thing is that it's an opportunity to build relationships with people like this, this little ball. It's, it's almost like its own little language. And through that ball, you can get, build relationships with people. And out of those relationships comes trust. And out of trust, you get the opportunity to share the gospel. And like, And that's all I, that's, that's my only desire through soccer is that it is just a pathway to share the gospel with people. Like if I never start a professional game, but I get to share the gospel with people, like how much, like that's so much more joyful than starting every professional game and not knowing Jesus.
0: Awesome. You need to watch our prior show with Sid Green. He's involved in a Christian athlete program
2: up there. Um, Brian, go ahead. Okay, well, I, I noticed that, that while you were with Calvin, um, you guys had a really big shootout win in the tournament. So, what I want to ask you was, compared to just the you know the regular play, what what is the mindset? How does the mindset change for a goalkeeper during a shootout?
1: Yeah, in a shootout, um, I don't know if I don't know how much you think, honestly, um, but like there's this. I, I don't want to say cockiness, but like there's this arrogance and like this confidence. I want to say confidence about you. Um, and in those moments, you just have to think like there's another goalkeeper across from you. And like most of what you're about to do is out of your control. Where the guy shoots it, shoots it is out of your control. And that's 90% of a penalty shot. Like most of that is out of your control. But that 10% that you have, look across, look across the field or really right next to you. And you go, I will take myself over that person every single day of the week, every single one of these shots. Um, And I think that the hardest thing was we missed our first shot and they made theirs. So when that happened, it's like, everybody goes, oh crap, we're going to lose now. But like my mentality was still the same. Like I knew that if I made two saves, I trusted the guys that were shooting to to make their penalty kicks. And if it came down to where it was a sudden death, I'll take myself over the next person every day of the week.
0: So you missed your senior year because of COVID. I mean, I think that canceled everybody out. So you guys have done really well in 2019. What what was expected of your team in 2020? And, and did you think that uh, with everybody that you had returning, that maybe you guys had a, a shot at winning a national championship? Yeah, so
1: actually 2018 um, was my first year at Calvin. I transferred in. And we made it to the national championship game Um, and we only lost two, one junior year. We lost four, four Oh to the same team that beat us the same the year before um, in the final four. Um, I'll be honest. It was going to be really difficult because from that 2018 team, we had to replace nine starters um, from that 2018 team. And then 2019 team, we were going to have to replace four starters and, two or three of them were all Americans. So it's like, it's really difficult. The the people we were replacing and three of those starters were all of our midfielders. So we were going to have to figure a, a lot out in a short amount of time. Um, so not having spring last year uh, was tough because of COVID. And then going into this fall, um, what the blessing was is that we were returning our, all four of our back line and then also returning me. Um, so we were going to have our back five and we felt that was our strongest point um, to let the guys in front of us figure out what they had to figure out for the first five games of the season. Um, the team that we lost to the last two years uh, in the tournament—they lost their head coach, who was their biggest asset—and we thought we had the opportunity if we were able to put the puzzle pieces together in the right way. Um, one thing our twenty, one thing our twenty nineteen team put together. Um, that was different. Sorry, guys. Um, one thing that our 2019 team, um, put together that our 2018 team didn't do, uh, was this like sort of gritness, um, about the team that like, hey, if there's adversity, we're going to push through it. Um, and the next, and we felt like that was something that we were continue, we're going to continue with, um, through 2020 was, Doesn't matter what happens in our faces. Like if we lose everybody, if people get injured, we're gonna figure out a way to win games. Um, So unfortunately, we didn't get get that opportunity, and it's always a what if. Um, But I mean, we had the pieces if put together properly that we could have made another run at it.
4: Kevin. So I saw he had transferred from Trinity to Calvin. I was curious what what was the transfer. Was there like a specific reason or?
1: Yeah. What happened? My freshman year, um, I was a backup and going into my sophomore year, I was planning on being the starter. um, And I tore my labrum on the first day of preseason at Trinity. Um, So from there, um, I'll be completely honest with you guys, my grades were terrible at Trinity. I had a 2.4 GPA. I was barely keeping my scholarship um, and I wasn't happy. I wasn't pursuing Jesus well. um, And at that point in my life, I needed, I needed to hit a reset button. Um, so I went home, I worked for uh, a ministry called young life for a semester, um, with special needs kids. And through that month or through that semester, um, I got to be discipled by one of my very good friends. His name's David. Um, he's like 10 years older than me, but played college sports. We're very similar people. And through growing in my relationship with Christ, I really longed for a Christian community. Um, and Christian education, and I actually went to a junior college for a little bit, um, and that was just, like, supposed to be a buffer time to get my AA and then go somewhere, Um, but when I went and visited Calvin, um, even though it's a D3 school, there was, I had dinner with um, a a group of guys at Applebee's, and at that dinner, I was like, I could feel this was the place for, like, God was calling me to be here, to, to be in relationship with these guys, um, to go and do great things on the soccer field, but do great things in the classroom where I flipped my grades to, I graduated, like, a 3-6. And, um, like, there was something special about Calvin that, in my opinion, I wouldn't trade for the world, um, the experience that I had there.
3: Nice. Well, you said earlier when we were talking, you don't really like the beach that much. You like the mountains uh, more so. What do you? Where do you like to go? What do you like to do to kind of ground yourself and and do you know do a reset? Is it the mountains? Is there anywhere in particular?
1: Yeah. So something I really love doing is road trips. Um, luckily, I've moved like five times in the last five years or something around that. Um, so road trips is a part of my life and. There's a break on road tripping from Michigan to Florida, now to Pittsburgh. Uh, I road tripped to Memphis weeks week, ago. Um, driving is something that I enjoy doing, looking at God's beautiful creation. Um, and I think my favorite my favorite spot that I've stopped is I stopped. So I was driving through uh, the, in the Appalachian Mass and, and up at the mountains, and there was this little pull-off. And I said, you know what? I'm pulling off. And I pulled off, put my car in park, uh, stood on top of my truck or sat on top of my truck and just watched the sunset um, over the beautiful mountains. So that's, that's just something that I thoroughly enjoy doing.
3: One of my territories for work is in Georgia. And I recommend if you ever get a chance, check out some of the waterfalls in the mountains in Georgia. It's extremely peaceful. I think you might like it.
0: I appreciate that. I think I know what you're talking about. On uh, an Appalachian. is that Interstate 79? Me, Kevin, uh, and Brian have probably driven that a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, I think so.
2: <laughs> nice, Brian. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, keeping with our uh, 79. Oh uh, yeah, keeping with our uh, geography theme here. Um, have you? I mean, since signing with the Riverhouse, have you gone to Pittsburgh yet? And if you have, what are your impressions of the city so far? Um, so I did. So I actually stayed with a
1: buddy of mine. Um, over the last week before I moved into my apartment and he was up on Mount Washington, um, which if anybody doesn't know, it literally looks right out over the city. Um, but so being from like a smaller, like small town type of deal, um, where I know my neighbors and like it, I have space in my yard and stuff like that. Um, the tightness and how close the houses are really stressful. Um, the amount of cars on the road, like parked on the side, pretty stressful, um, I, I don't think I'm necessarily a, a city uh, city connoisseur, as some would say. Um, but like we we're about 20 minutes outside the city where our apartment is, um, and I personally love it out here. Like there's a bunch of space, um, and it's that good balance of like, hey, the city's right there where we train and 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 our games are, um, but at the same time, I get to enjoy my space and go for walks and not feel like people are breathing down my neck. <laughs>
0: So, I, I understand, I, I read it somewhere, I don't know if it was the head coach or maybe the goalie coach for the Riverhounds, you played against him in college, he was a coach for another team, is that, is that accurate?
1: That's what um, the newspaper
0: article said.
1: Gosh, I haven't seen this newspaper article yet. No. Um, <laughs> I think, um, I'm trying to think. So the former coach of the Riverhounds, that was maybe three or four years ago, he played, or he he is now the coach at my rival college called Hope <clears throat> College, um, and he's someone that I got to play against four times, and he won like nine national championships or something like that at Messiah. Um, he's like a legendary coach, and I got to play against him um, at Calvin, and I played three games against him. And I don't think he's – yeah, they didn't score any goals on me if my math is right. Zero plus zero plus zero equals zero. Right, guys?
0: Right. <laughs>
2: nice.
0: Uh, and and we'll, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, so you're in the USL now. Um, I mean, do you have aspirations maybe to to make it to MLS or, or maybe try and do, like, uh, you know, Brian dig did play in uh, maybe Germany or the Europe League? So, like, what, what, what's your soccer goal? We know you're, you're – you're, your goal with your faith, but what's your soccer goal?
1: Yeah, so um, I think for this year, uh, it's just to learn. Um, Whether I play zero games, five games, or all the games, uh, I don't think that's – that's not my mindset for this year in 2021. Um, I think my responsibility as a player is to learn um, and to grow. And my hope is that in six, seven years – I've established myself as a starting goalkeeper in this league and performed well enough to maybe I get that MLS call up and um, get that big time, get a big time contract. And um, yeah, that's kind of that's that's the like five to eight year goal is grow a lot, um, establish yourself and become become an MLS quality goalkeeper um, by the time I'm 28, 29, 30.
0: Most of us here grew up in Pittsburgh, so we're going to be rooting for you because we want to see our, our hometown teams doing really well. So thank you to Chris Morris for joining us tonight. Great talking soccer with you. We know you got got just a great career ahead, so we're going to be excited to, to keep an eye on that. I want to remind everybody to subscribe to the YouTube channel and join the Facebook group. So please just continue watching. So thank you and good night.